welcome to the Inside Tech podcast. Today we are talking about the wireless charging and we have a guest here. It's a Martin Perlman uh, from the Electric Green. Welcome, Martin. Thanks, Carrie. It's good to be here um, and, and many thanks for inviting me. Maybe uh, we can start with a short introduction. Maybe you can introduce yourself, who you are, what do you do? Yeah, sure. My name's Martin Beaumont. I've been uh, running Electric Green for the last two years. Uh, my background is uh, in various medical telecom sectors. Uh, I worked for Motorola doing network infrastructure, and then I've latterly been investing uh, in various businesses. And I was introduced to Electric Green a couple of years ago to see if I could turn an invention into a commercial reality. And, uh, and, and that's what we're doing right now. That's it. very interesting to talk more about uh, Electric Green and the uh, wireless charging. But yeah, first, I think Rika has a small brief about for our listeners, what is the wireless charging about? Yes, wireless charging or uh, induction charging is a technology that's about to change the way we drive electric vehicles. It's not yet in the mainstream market, but it's picking up speed really quickly with a booming 56% growth rate, according to the market research firm Next Move Strategy Consulting. Wireless charging is expected to offer a lot of convenience. The big selling point is the hassle-free charging, of course. You just park your car and it will charge without plugging in. This could make electric cars more appealing and lead to higher adoption rate. But uh, this technology is expensive and probably more complicated to deploy due to standardization, compatibility, and also interoperability issues. But I believe Martin here and Electric Green is about to change that. I hope so too. Uh, maybe we can, uh, you can tell a little bit us about Electric Green, what you guys are exactly doing in the wireless charging. Electric Green is, is, is a wholly owned subsidiary of a company called Enotechnos Holdings. And Enotechnos were established about 10 years ago to, with a focus on improving the efficiency of energy grid. They've done this by exploiting some technology that was being assessed by Brunel University. And that technology is called uh, the Capacitive Transfer System, or CTS for short. And what it is, is it's a cable that where they split the copper core into two poles and they reduce the impedance of distributing and transmitting power by putting it into one of the poles and taking out of the other one. Now, it sounds kind of counterintuitive to do so. What it actually means is they were able to send power over longer distance with a minimal voltage drop. So to the layman, what does that mean? It means you can deliver using CTS the same power but with less copper in the cables or you can use the same copper and deliver more power. So the focus of the business at that stage and to a large extent now was on uh, grids and distribution networks so 50 and 60 kilohertz and what the company discovered is that while they were testing they used higher frequency as a substitute for longer cables and they discovered that they could also efficiently send higher frequency power from A to B down the CTS cable. Now, the higher the frequency, the more pronounced the advantages are. So they looked at wireless charging, which has an operating frequency of 85 kilohertz, or at least that's what's agreed in the standards for, for charging electric vehicles. And they said, well, hang on, we can send 85 kilohertz up to 20 times further than a traditional wireless charging company using LITS cables. So I got involved with Electric Green to look at how we could exploit that uh, 
that capability. And what it enables us to do is to, so because we didn't have the constraints on distributing the power over longer distances, Electric Green were able to develop a charging architecture where we had a centralized power supply and a common CTS backbone and then multiple pads coming off the back of it. So as an example, if we had 220 uh, kilowatt converter, we can supply 20 ground pads at 11 kilowatts. So the big advantage over our competition here is that we get economies of scale in deploying that architecture. So with traditional LITS cable, which is used for wireless charging, the maximum distance you can put the pad away from the charger is about six and a half meters. Now that means you're stuck with a one charger, one ground pad relationship. And that's not something we have an issue with, with CTS cable on our backbone. So the output of that is economies of scale, greatly reduced uh, cost per charging space and an ability to deploy wireless charging infrastructure at scale and very quickly. We've been talking with a lot of uh, EV experts and the people working in industry and wireless charging is something many people are very skeptic uh, because of the, yeah, the, some of the challenges you are solving at the moment and then also like kind of the efficiency, how much of the loss in the charging and so on. In what kind of scenarios you think the wireless charging will be the best option? That's a good question. And on the face of it, wireless charging has many, many benefits over plugging in. I mean, my take on it is, you know, to date, plugging in is okay. It's enabled, you know, some initial wireless adoption, but it could just be so much better. And I think consumers deserve a better charging experience. If you look at uh, figures from Bloomberg's uh, economic transition model versus the net zero model that they compare uh that the, what the world is is trying to focus on, on on achieving net zero by 2050 compared to Bloomberg's economic transition model is about 30% ahead. And the message here is that Bloomberg think that we are going to struggle to reach net zero and we're probably going to come up 30% shy. So wireless charging is one of the ways to increase EV adoption. And if you look at the way consumers behave, um, you know, they generally, where there's a wireless adoption, they will take it up. So, for example, nobody's plugging in their laptop now to get uh, Wi-Fi access. You don't walk around your phone, your home with a phone coming out of your cable. Uh, and my favorite is probably the remote control for your TV. Unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember when you had to get up and actually change the channel. Uh, and now, you you know, everybody does it by remotely. And if you tried to sell a TV without a remote, you'd have a have a big issue with it. And I think wireless charging of vehicles is going to follow uh, a similar pathway. So for owners, you know, it, you've got no dirty cables, you've got fewer breakages, there's no trip hazards, you can use it to top up your battery rather than letting it run down a bit like you do with your, your mobile phone wireless makes evs accessible for everybody so if you've got mobility issues at the moment getting out of your vehicle and plugging in a, a heavy cable is not easy so those are kind of consumer benefits from wireless and then for fleet operations wireless brings new benefits as well it kind of embeds charging into the everyday activity of, of the business and it, it doesn't distract it and it doesn't make it less efficient. So you don't have operatives uh, being put 
at a higher safety risk by moving around vehicles in depots. Rental leasing companies, they are going to be able to connect their vehicles effectively without having to have people plugging in. Everything will become more efficient. And this ease of contact, if you like, with the charging infrastructure that wireless enables means you can get things like opportunity charging where taxis can charge up while they're waiting in uh, taxi ranks. Ambulances can charge up while they're waiting in queues at hospitals. So it, it enables sort of efficient operation of businesses uh, as well as offering advantages to consumers. All of those benefits kind of apply to all wireless charging. But I think the key for us at Electric Green is we've tried to focus on reducing the cost of all of these activities. Because as you say, wireless is perceived to be a lot more expensive. And in a lot of instances, it is more expensive if you do a one-to-one charging infrastructure. But what we're able to do at Electric Green is have a one-to-many charging infrastructure. And we estimate we can get about a, a 61 uh, percent reduction on the cost from the vehicle side and a 45 percent reduction for the ground infrastructure side. So we're tackling that cost issue head on. Yes, so we talk a bit about the technology, but uh, what about your area of business? Where are you operating? And also probably who are your consumers? I think you talk already about uh, ambulance and uh, emergency vehicles. But who else are your customers? Okay, so at the moment, uh, Electric Green is a pre-revenue business. We are still developing the technology. Uh, Our solution is focused on both fleets and consumers. Uh, But we think fleet areas are going to adopt wireless sooner than the the general public. Uh, So we are looking um, predominantly at uh, return to depot fleets. And we're doing uh, a lot of work with Royal Mail, which I can talk about in more detail. And we're also looking at rental and leasing companies, uh, such as hire car companies, where they have huge numbers of vehicles uh, located in the same uh, in the same place. So if you look at airports, for example, there's one vehicle company that has two million vehicles worldwide, but 30,000 of those, for example, are at Atlanta Airport. And that is a lot of vehicles to connect. with with plugging in and unplugging. So those kind of areas we think are a really good focal point for, for wireless charging. Are you targeting the UK market only for now or are you expanding to other markets also? No, we've got an international offering, uh, Rika. The key to the adoption of, of wireless is going to be scale and therefore only looking at one particular geographic market isn't isn't going to get it off the ground and widely adopted. There are lots of examples of retrofitted wireless charging projects which kind of prove the principle but the challenge here is they are quite expensive to retrofit um, and they're complex and you need OEM uh, integration uh, and assistance to do so. So factory fitting of wireless is is key to its widespread adoption and we think there are some activities going on at the moment that are are demonstrating that is coming. The big one of course was uh, Tesla's uh, acquisition of a of a German wireless charging company called Wifirin earlier this year, and I think if wireless charging is adopted by Tesla, yeah, the market tends to follow where where Tesla go first. So, for example, very quickly, non wireless option vehicles will start to look a little bit dated if. 
Tesla charger ahead and, uh, and and introduce it. But there are reasons why OEMs uh, haven't done so. It's well known OEMs are very focused on areas like cost, uh, efficiency of operation, and and interoperability is is very important. You know, on the cost side. OEMs don't want extra weight. Uh, they're concerned about thermal management, et cetera. And so any wireless uh, system needs to satisfy these concerns. And Electric Green are very focused on intelligent design and, and IP protected inventions in this area. For example, we have a, an OBC design, a, a, that's sorry, OBC is onboard charger, where we are able to take feeds from uh, plug-in AC, uh, wireless AC, and wireless DC from other manufacturers into a single component. Uh, and in that way, we reduce uh, duplication of power electronics on board, and we make it easy for the OEMs to integrate our solution or a wireless solution into their platforms. One of the other areas is efficiency, and wireless has historically uh, been seen as being less efficient than plug-in. And in reality, there's about a 1% loss across the air gap from charging uh, and discharging wirelessly. Now, you know, I, I think consumers and manufacturers will take that, given all of the other convenience, et cetera, uh, benefits associated with wireless charging. And then the other thing we're looking to do is introduce our CTS uh, technology into the coils themselves. So wireless power transfer work by sending a, a making an, a magnetic field from the ground side, and uh, that is then picked up by the vehicle side. And alignment of those two fields is very important. And we think CCS coils will improve alignment and make it kind of easier for consumers to use and get a get a positive output from that. And then the third area OEMs are really interested in is interoperability, because, of course, at the moment, if you plug in, you've got uh, CCS or Chardamo systems and the, the, the cables work. Or you've got te te Tesla system over in the US. And what has to happen for wireless to be adopted is company A's ground pad has to work with company B's car pad, um, therefore locating a lot of the technology in the ground and less so on the vehicle, means it's easier for OEMs to uh, wirelessly equip their vehicles. So that's a that's another thing Electric Green are focused on. Yeah, you mentioned like the economies of scale uh, later on when the wireless chargers start to be on the production and so on. And the technology, of course, makes it uh, cheaper in the long run. How long do you think it takes uh, before I could, for example, there would be a reasonable alternative for me to have in my house a wireless charger in my parking place? Or is that even reality that at homes you would use the wireless charger? I think homes will uh, homes will start to have wireless charging options relatively soon. You can actually now go and retrofit uh, wireless charging onto your vehicle. But as I said, the challenge is it's extremely expensive to do so. I think the first wireless charging option from an OEM uh, that is factory fitted is probably going to come out late 2024, early 2025. And again, if Tesla bring it out, they could potentially bring that out in 2025. So I think fairly soon you will you will be seeing the early adopters of wireless charging, you know, having these systems in, in their houses.
Definitely. So I guess running a business is not always so smooth. What would you say the biggest challenges faced by Electric Green and by the wireless industry in general? Oh, that's a good question, Rika. Uh, well, obviously, things run very smoothly at Electric Green. Um, <laughs> I guess nice but, to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, out, 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 outside that, there are some there are some factors influencing us um, in our environment that are, that are trickier to deal with. Uh, I won't lie about that. Um, I think OEM inter- interfacing with OEMs is the hardest thing. You know, OEMs have an awful lot on their plate at the moment with the transition to uh, electrification full stop. Coming along to them with a with a system that is slightly different, however, e- even though it's better, it is slightly different from the route they're going down at the moment. And they are so focused on trying to electrify that it's almost a distraction at the moment. So trying to get time with the OEMs, persuade them that this is is what's coming and this is what consumers want is is the challenge. And how do we do that? We do that by having demonstrator projects to show them what it can do and and generate feedback from those those projects. I'll give you an example. We are doing a a government backed grant with Royal Mail, uh, which we're deploying next October. And Royal Mail deliver the post in the UK. They are the largest last mile fleet. They have about 38,000 delivery uh, vans, LCVs, and they have a big issue electrifying. You know, they can't have cables uh, around the vehicles because there's a lot of staff movement. They don't want to have what we call depot furniture at the back of each van because it just gets in the way. So they don't want charging posts, etc. But what they do like is electric green solution where we can put the charger around the corner, totally out of the way, and have simply wireless charging there, which enables the operatives to carry on their day-to-day work safely with no obstructions. Um, And in fact, that project is a bi-directional project as well. So we're looking to uh, demonstrate with their batteries in in their fleet, Royal Mail can, can generate significant additional revenue from what is effectively a virtual power plant. And then we take that feedback and we say to OEMs, you know, this is what your customers are looking for. And that's how we persuade them generally that, that, that wireless is the way forward. I also think in addition to that, that uh, market share is going to become a big issue going forward. At the moment, everybody's electrifying kind of generally at, at a similar rate, and that'll probably continue for the next five years. But then if you want to get ahead and have innovation in your product offering, then wireless is going to enable you to do that. And I think if it's cost effective enough, there aren't many consumers that are going to say, oh, do you know what? I don't fancy this easy to use wireless system. Please give me the plug-in option again. So I think I think they're going to start to see the light, but they've just got a lot of a lot on their place at the moment. Topic like compatibility and interoperability, there's starts to be standards and so on, different automotive manufacturers, when they bring the capability, the production, it will be kind of defined already that there's no different chargers like the plug-in chargers have several different plugs and standards necessary. But what I'm wondering, like their operability, how, how in the kind of the payment issues kind of uh, like now in the plug-in, I would love if all the plug-in chargers would work like the Tesla supercharger that you just plug it in and it detects your car and charges your account without you doing anything in any app or anything. Does the wireless actually standards currently cover that part or will, will the cars be able to communicate with the 
tighter at all? Uh, it's, it's a good question. And the answer is uh, that kind of standardization is being developed at the moment uh, in more detail. Some of it is already developed. So the, there is the SAE 2954 standard, which is the, the primary one covering wireless charging. What you're referring to there in terms of plug and charge is uh, covered in the wireless sector by an, another standard called 15118-20. Uh, so wireless needs to keep up with the innovations that are happening around billing and, and payment um, for services in plug-in. It's just another step to make those standards appropriate for, for, for wireless charging. There are also lots of organizations such as Charin, for example, in, in, in Europe and, and elsewhere, who are looking to bring together all of the wireless parties so that we can do interoperability testing. Standards and, and theory are all very well, but in reality, you need to be able to put your system uh, on the ground and, and get other people to come and drive their cars over it and, and, and check it works. And Charin are leading the leading the charge in that area. And, and we're, we're very pleased to be taking part in it as well. In some time in the future, it could be that I just drive to the local supermarket or the office and I don't need to worry about charging and my car is charging while I'm living in the parking place. At least in the US, they are testing a lot of autonomous vehicles already on the road. In Europe, the legislation is, of course, slowing it down a little bit. Autonomous vehicles, I think the wireless charging might be even, if you want to have a fleet of autonomous taxis, for example, wireless charging might be actually something you really need for that, right? Oh, totally, yes. I mean, it, car isn't truly autonomous unless it has wireless charging i don't believe because if you need somebody to plug it in and unplug it it doesn't work on its own you know wireless charging in the future is going to seriously drive uh, autonomous vehicle adoption I, I firmly believe that it'll it'll reduce the uh, the requirement for human intervention but i think in the future there are other areas where wireless is going to assist probably sooner than autonomous cars um because depending on where you are the rate of adoption of autonomous vehicles is is, is open to discussion, I think. Um, but some areas where, where wireless is going to make an impact sooner, I think, uh, is the first one around um, bi-directionality and this whole V2X area. So V2X isn't uh, solely attributed to wireless, but I think where you are able to use the power in the battery and send it back to the grid or the building or indeed to another vehicle that is going to change the the business model of charging infrastructure and frankly electric vehicle ownership more widely and we believe that being able to connect with that grid and make the availability of the battery asset that much easier to access using wireless technology is going to make a huge difference so let me give an example. If you have an 80% state of charge on your vehicle van and you drive it into the depot, you're probably not going to plug it in if you're there for three hours because you don't need more bat, you don't need more power. And human nature says well, you, you generally you won't be bothered. But actually, if you can just press connect and the wireless connection is made, then the opportunity to use that battery asset while you wait. Uh, is, is is that much easier. So that's going to significantly change the, the ownership model of, of vehicles and particularly for fleets. So back to the Royal Mail example I mentioned earlier, you know, potentially each vehicle could earn up to £500 from bi-directionality per, per, per annum. If you've got nearly 38,000 depot-based vehicles such as Royal Mail, that's almost 
18 million pounds you can generate through bi-directional charging. Now that's significant. So I think being able to access the battery asset easily is is going to be a big thing in the future. So you're told like the yeah, the, so it's anybody with a big fleet would basically enter into competition in the power market, kind of offering the electricity in the peak hours and capitalize it. Well, completely. And, you know, there are many ways to earn revenue from the flexibility markets. And so having a good flexibility broker uh, who can interface with a fleet is, is, is really important there. And what the wireless element of this does is make the connectivity and the availability of that battery much, much easier than just plugging in. The other area where I think uh, wireless charging is is going to really help, and in particular, low cost wireless charging, is in the mass adoption and availability of of charging infrastructure. Uh, I think at the moment the focus on charging is is very much on speed of charging, and you know around motorway networks, uh, a roads, freeways, etc. You know high powered charging is needed and mostly that's dc based charging but it's expensive and you know it the grid needs a lot of upgrades to provide that now once those areas are covered uh the focus will come more back to destination charging with longer dwell times and i think here wireless can really help especially electric greens wireless solution because you're applying appropriate charging speeds to the user case in those scenarios. So for example, say you've got commuters who drive into the railway station every day. They don't need much power to go from their home to the station and then back again. And their dwell time is quite long. So they don't need high power uh, charges to just top up their battery in the same way that you would top up your phone. So if we can scale the charging infrastructure to the user case, then it costs less and charge point operators pay less for the infrastructure. They get a faster return on their investment. And ultimately, this costs the drivers less. I think wireless will have a big impact in, in, in those destination charging areas as well. And then lastly, I think the big change that's coming, and this is going to happen slowly, but is, is extremely important, is scarcity of raw materials for batteries is a huge issue. And, you know, there are lots of geopolitical factors that, that that influence the supply chain in that area as well. And, you know, with wireless charging, the opportunity, opportunity charge, you know, top up your battery while you're doing other things means that you don't have to take time out of your day, like the taxi driver doesn't have to lose fair revenue because they're parked up charging they can charge up in the taxi rank while they wait for passengers and that means that particular taxi could have a smaller battery a plug-in vehicle because it can do things at the same time so i think from a continuity of supply and a cost side uh opportunity charging enabled by wireless is is also going to become much much more important in the future in the general, in the, when it comes to EV charging business, a lot of companies are currently like running into capturing the market. Uh, and the competition is more about that who can capture more market. How do you see the wireless charging companies are still uh, kind of starting to enter the market and competition? How do you see the competitive landscape for you? 
think there's room for everybody, to be honest, uh, Carrie. You know, wireless charging is not available yet uh, at, at scale. Um, I think, you know, certainly I can speak for the UK, where I believe about two, two and a half percent of vehicles are electric at the moment. Um, you know, by the time wireless charging becomes available to mass market, there will still be an awful lot of uh, the market to go for. And in fact, you could actually argue that the wireless charging will enable that market to convert because all the people who are buying EVs at the moment and plugging in, they're probably very into the green movement. They've probably got off street parking. They've probably got a higher disposable income than most. Once you get over these early adopters, you've got to offer a better experience to, to the wider market. So I'm not concerned that wireless charging is late to the market, to the, to the party here. I think actually it's going to arrive just as, as the mass market are, are ready to, to install it and use it. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the future now. Is there any current trends or any emerging technology that you are looking forward to? something that you think would change or would revo- revolutionize the market drastically? Well, I think OEM OEM adoption, Rika, is what's going to make the, the, the big difference here. All of those areas we, we, we covered earlier, you know, the, the driverless autonomous vehicles, the scarcity of battery materials, um, you know, being able to provide cheap charging infrastructure, and then this V2X bi-directionality, all of those are going to change the, the rate of adoption and wireless is crucial for those. I mean, one area which is being uh, tested at the moment is is what's called dynamic wireless charging. And what Electric Green are focused on right now is static wireless charging, where the vehicles charge when they are stationary. But dynamic charging is looking at charging vehicles while they're moving. So it's otherwise known as sort of electrified roads. And that's really interesting because if you can electrify the backbone of a of one lane of a highway, then again, you rapidly reduce the requirement for big batteries on the vehicles. So, you know, some of these heavy goods vehicles are having five, six hundred uh, kilowatt hour batteries. You know, those things cost a lot of money. And if you can top up your battery while you're driving along, you don't need that battery size. You don't need the expense. You don't need the weight. And so dynamic wireless charging could indeed make it make a big difference in the future. Won't be everywhere, but in certain scenarios, it, it, it could make a big difference. In For electric green, how does the future plans and look? You mentioned that the OEMs are probably bringing the production, the wireless charging capability in. 2024, 2025. So uh, are you expecting to go to production and start installing the chargers in the near future? I think we'd be looking to install our charging infrastructure commercially from probably 2027. Uh, We'll be doing demonstration projects before then, uh, starting off next year and then rolling out some more of those uh, probably in 2026. But I think the the lead-in time at the moment for OEMs is is three years for adopting wireless charging technology, as in we have to be engaged with them for for three years before they bring it to 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 the mass market. So those kind of conversations are happening at the moment, um, and you know 
innovation is is takes time to introduce um you know it it starts off slowly and it it gradually builds up so i think as soon as you start to see pockets of of, of good practice out there consumers will vote with their with their feet or with their wallets in this case and i think they'll be buying wireless uh enabled vehicles ahead of plug-in ones well uh, very interesting i definitely follow what's happening with you guys in the coming years thank you for coming to our podcast today thank you for having me it's 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 been a pleasure a special offer for our listeners we are giving you full access to statistics for 30 days by registering at statson.com with the code statson spelled in uppercase s t a t z o n Thanks for listening to our podcast. Visit our website and get our text 360 newsletters. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe, recommend the podcast to your colleagues, friends and family and follow us on social media.